0: Welcome to the monthly View from the Edge for May 2023. I'm Fritz Fultz, the Chief Investment Strategist here at 3Edge, and joining me here once again today is Eric Beagleisen, Director of Investment Research and Deputy Chief Investment Officer here at 3Edge Asset Management. As we do at the beginning of each month, Eric and I will provide our firm's most recent outlook for the global capital markets, which is based on our proprietary 3Edge research model. Before we begin, a brief recap of the activity in the global capital markets, where this past week the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate by a quarter of 1%, pushing the target rate up to 5 to 5 and a quarter, a level not seen since the fall of 2007. Many on Wall Street now believe this may have been the last increase in interest rates for the foreseeable future. However, that was Wednesday, and then on Friday, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the U.S. payrolls increased by 253,000 in April, which is far in excess of the consensus estimate, which was calling for an increase of 185,000. In addition, the unemployment rate fell to 3.4% and is once again hovering near historic lows. And although this is a good news report in terms of the economy, it's maybe not such good news for the Fed, since they would have expected that 12 months of monetary tightening to combat inflation would have at least slowed the pace of hiring by now. And although this is but one data point, it certainly seems to throw a bit of cold water on the idea that the Fed can now pause in raising interest rates at this point. Meanwhile, the ECB, the European Central Bank, also increased interest rates this week by one quarter of 1% in order to combat continued inflationary pressure in the Eurozone. And the nervousness around the health of regional banks continued this past week. During his press conference last Wednesday, Fed Chair Powell insisted that the U.S. banking system was, quote, sound and resilient, but... He also noted that strains in the banking system are likely to result in overall tighter credit conditions in the U.S. economy. On the heels of the collapse of Silicon Valley, Bank and First Republic, U.S. regional banks have suffered declines in their stock prices, along with calls for a more powerful intervention from Washington and for the FDIC to perhaps make explicit that all customer deposits would be covered and not just those up to $250,000, at least for the time being. And if the regional banks didn't provide investors with enough things to worry about, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen recently indicated that the U.S. Treasury could run out of funds by June 1st, bringing the debt ceiling debate in Washington front and center. President Biden has called for a meeting between the White House and the congressional leaders for next week in order to discuss the debt ceiling. However, in the weeks ahead, you know there's very little doubt that the debate around raising the debt ceiling will become more heated and could make investors more nervous. So with so much news to digest, this is an excellent time to bring our head of investment research, Eric Beagleisen, into the conversation to provide our most recent outlook for the global capital markets. And Eric, let's start with the three-edge asset class matrix, which shows our current outlook for the major asset classes and shows what may have changed in our outlook since last month, or it looks like in this case, what hasn't changed.
1: Great. Thanks. That was a great overview, Fritz. Uh, We can see here from the asset class matrix uh, that there are no arrows. There are just the white boxes indicating uh, no change uh, from the prior month, at least from a model output standpoint. You know, that said, we do always like to discuss U.S. equities. Uh, There are still moving parts within the model, uh, despite no major uh, overall assessments changing. Uh, as as well as uh, European equities, given that they're the only positive uh, equity asset class that we like uh, in terms of equities. And then our our outlooks on uh, developed Asia, China, and India, uh, still negative and and not much new to report there.
0: Great. So now let's dig into the major asset classes in greater detail, beginning with equities. And this month, I think we can focus on the U.S.
1: and Europe. Yeah, so the uh, the S&P 500, uh, it's up over 9% year-to-date through the end of April. Uh, though in just a few days in May, we've already seen that retreat a bit. Um, this didn't occur in a straight line, just kind of reviewing the year so far. Um, it had actually already peaked at around 9% up in February, gave nearly all of it back by mid-March with the collapse of the, the banks you referenced, only to climb back up again. Uh, and if, if if we take a bigger picture here and we look back trailing one year, the S&P 500 has essentially gone nowhere. Uh, and that includes dividends. So there's been a lot of volatility and not much in the way of actual return uh, as we endure this current, you know, monetary tightening cycle. You know, more importantly, the more recent rally this year has been driven by just just a small handful of stocks while the remainder are flat or down. And you know, historically this type of increasingly narrow advancement is associated with a future decline, but I guess time will tell. Um, You know, we've noted for quite some time that that U.S. equities, as we measure them, um, you know, remain, particularly the S&P 500, remain significantly overvalued based on our measure, you know, which indicates, you know, meager forward expected return over the next 10 years. You know, another factor that's continuing to weigh negatively on our outlook for U.S. equities is this inverted U.S. Treasury yield curve. Uh, you know, where the short-term interest rates are higher than the long-term interest rates. And this inverted yield curve can often signal that a period of economic weakness, you know lays ahead or even the chance of a recession. The potential for economic weakness and a recession uh, or a recession uh, in the US or globally is only likely to be a greater potential, you know, uh, now that as financial conditions get even tighter and as the Fed raises rates, uh, you know potentially as the Fed raises rates again, uh, you know as they didn't really close the door on further hikes. And Fritz, you, you, know, you mentioned the, the bank failures of SVB and, and First Republic, which have only served to also contribute to tighter financial conditions, as right. investors have to you know, weigh the prospects of, of further bank failures, uh, particularly in the regional banks, as well as the potential for increased regulatory oversight, which, which could be seen as a form of uh, tightening as well. You know, so all of these factors together uh, you know, just maintains that negative outlook on, on US equities.
0: Okay. Now let's shift our attention to European equities. As I mentioned earlier, the European Central Bank has also increased short-term rates this past week to combat inflation. European equities have been our most highly ranked asset class for a while, or equity asset class, excuse me, for a while now, and they have outperformed the U.S. equity markets year to date by a good amount. But what does our model say right now about the outlook for European equities?
1: Yeah, uh, throughout the first four months of 2023, uh, European equities have remained the most attractive of the major equity asset classes that we model. They've enjoyed a solid start, like you just mentioned this year, with a 15% gain uh, in the MSCI Europe index in dollar terms through the end of April. Um, you know, we find the valuations of European equities uh, to be you know much more favorable than in the US. Though, you know, the concerns we've noted in previous videos is starting to catch up. In particular, we saw the European Central Bank respond aggressively Uh, To combat the region's inflation problem. And and the model, you know, rewarded this as inflation responded by coming down somewhat. Um, This positive effect is wearing off, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. as the most recent headline inflation print actually ticked back up. So, you know, more importantly, though, than that, perhaps even is is that like in the US, the yield curve measure that we calculate for Europe is also inverted by our measure. Um, And this is continuing to head in in that even more inverted direction rather than a steepening direction. So the yield curve change is also a negative factor. So overall, the outlook is positive still, but I I would say that this, this asset class is on notice.
0: Okay, so now let's shift our attention to the bond market and the current interest rate environment, starting with U.S. Treasury market.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, so far in 2023, there's been a fair amount of volatility in the U.S. Treasury market. Mm-hmm. The the 10 just as by, by example, the ten-year bond yield has moved up over four percent at one point and as low as three point three percent. So these are these are big moves for for a ten-year bond um, with the inc- the uncertainty around the health of the U.S. regional banks and the belief that the Fed may be forced to pause its tightening program, possibly even lower rates before year end. Uh, right. Both the ten-year and the thirty-year Treasury, you know, have turned in solid gains with the reduction in yields. Uh, prices rise as yields fall. However, you know, as is currently the case in many countries, and we already talked about the U.S. and Europe, uh, the yield curve remains inverted. Right, uh, and more concerning is the wild card facing the U.S. Treasury market regard, regarding the debate in Congress over the debt ceiling that you already referenced as well. You know, uh, Treasury Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen recently indicated that they could run out of funds on June one, as you mentioned. No doubt, the prospects for the U.S. defaulting on its debt could be disastrous, and, and I, I think I'm putting that mildly. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Biden and the Congress confab on, on May 9th brings in terms of a potential solution. But overall, we, you know, we just continue to favor short-term treasury instruments, particularly those with maturities beyond that June through August you know, potential debt ceiling deadline.
0: And what about the corporate bond market, which is often referred to as the credit markets? What is our model indicating about the outlook for the corporate bond market at this point in time?
1: Yeah, well, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic has, has just only helped uh, to fuel increased concerns uh, in credit markets and has caused spreads to widen in both investment grade and high yield sectors of the corporate debt market. So, you know, we just continue to maintain this, this caution when when considering investing in, in corporate debt at this time.
0: So lastly, let's look at real assets, both gold and commodities, beginning with gold, another asset class that has outperformed the U.S. S&P 500 index year to date.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, we've covered our cautious or or negative outlook regarding equities and long-term bonds. We believe that gold could actually serve as as a better hedge than bonds against a potential downturn uh, in the equity markets. Year to date, uh, as you referenced, gold has outperformed the S&P 500 it's returned over 9% through the end of April, and it's nearing its all-time high of around $2075 per ounce set back in August of 2020. Um, you know, While inflation is, is, is coming down slowly, bond yields generally remain below the rate of inflation, meaning that the interest earned on bonds is negative in real terms, that is after you account for inflation, which is a negative for bonds and a positive for gold. Um, also, with the potential for an economic slowdown and a recession on the horizon that we've been discussing, the Fed may be forced to revert, you know, to a more stimulative monetary policy once again by injecting liquidity into the financial system to, the, to revive the economy. This could weaken the value of the U.S. dollar, which would increase the value of assets priced in dollar terms like commodities and gold. You know, in addition, the panic caused by the, the Silicon Valley Bank and, and First Republic uh, failures. Uh, along with the rising geopolitical tensions, you know, this just provided examples of the benefits of gold as this haven asset for investors. So, so, overall outlook remaining positive for now. Yeah.
0: And how about the outlook for commodities? The price of oil fell rather dramatically over the past couple of weeks. But what is our model research indicating in terms of the outlook for basket of commodities?
1: Uh, commodities could benefit from from what we discussed uh, regarding gold. But unfortunately, they have these larger headwinds to contend with. First commodities struggled this so far in 2023. The basket that we look at is down around 6% through the end of April on the year. Price of oil has declined, you referenced, giving back the gains from the earlier announcement by OPEC in March that it would be cutting oil by about a million barrels per day. The possibility of this global growth, you know, slowdown seems to be weighing on, on oil prices now. And the demand for commodities could be at risk if this monetary tightening by the world's major central banks does in fact trigger this material economic slowdown or even a global recession. You know, this China reopening story as a potential source of global growth just doesn't seem to be uh, playing out. Um, You know, I guess the the, the other side of this is getting a little more specific than the broad basket is that the war, Russia's war with Ukraine, along with the concern regarding scarcity of agricultural commodities, keeps this area Mm -hmm. favorable, you know, in the intermediate to long-term. So, you know, blended together, the overall outlook remains mixed.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Eric, for that update on our outlook. That will do it for Eric and me for this month's edition of the 3Edge View from the Edge. If you'd like a hard copy of our full View from the Edge newsletter for May, you will find it on our website, and that's at 3 And Eric and I will be back again in early June with another edition of the View from the Edge. Meanwhile, Steve Kukiaro and I will be back next week with the next edition of the 3Edge Week in Review, and something tells me that there'll be continue to be a myriad of interesting topics to cover again next week. As a reminder, our entire library of video content is always available on our 3Edge YouTube channel, and if you enjoy our videos and would be so kind to subscribe to our 3Edge YouTube channel, we would be most appreciative. So, on behalf of Eric and everyone here at 3Edge, thanks for listening. This commentary is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. The opinions expressed in View from the Edge are those of Mr. Foltz and Mr. Beagleisen and are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This commentary is not intended to provide personal investment advice and does not take into account the unique investment objectives and financial situation of the listener. Investors should only seek investment advice from their financial advisor. The observations include information from sources that 3Edge believes to be reliable, but the accuracy of such information cannot be guaranteed. Investments, including common stocks, fixed income, commodities, and ETFs, all involve a risk of loss that investors should be prepared to bear.